All right. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 11. And when you get there, find verse 5. But let me say a few thoughts before we go any further. It's 2020. It's a whole new year. Amen. Are you ready for a new year? Are you ready for a new year? Some of you aren't really ready for a new year, are you? Yeah. It's also a new decade. Have you thought about that? It just, um, that somebody said that on the television or radio or something, and it, didn't, it just totally caught me off guard because I didn't think about being a new decade. I was just thinking about being a new year. But a whole new year, a whole new decade. So let me ask you all something today. What are your hopes and dreams for the new year? Anybody? Any hopes, any dreams, any desires that your whole family would be saved? That is a great hope and dream. For good health. That's always a good hope and dream. Charles? What's this? To stay well, to stay healthy, to stay well. Anything else? Answers to prayer. Okay, that's a really good one. That really tells me a lot this morning. Kind of fits our idea and theme that we're going to be talking about today. Answered prayer. Anybody else on that idea? Anybody else got a amen to answered prayer? Yeah, amen. Yeah, we all want answered prayer, right? Uh, a lot of us won't answer prayer. A lot of us struggled when prayers aren't answered, and we're going to deal with that. Life is um, life is just not a box, and everything just fits in nice and neat. And I wish God made it that way, but that isn't the way it happened. And and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, at times for my own self for that sense that I want my life to be a box to where everything fits in, kind of like those uh, Jenga things, those game where you pull out, but it all begins with what a nice fit together box, right? It all looks nice and neat. It's a tower, and, and you tear it apart by taking things out. And that's kind of what God does. Sometimes that's what the world does. Life does that. Life takes a little thing out of the back, and you don't see it. And all of a sudden, things begin to kind of fall apart. A new year. Anybody a golfer? Anybody golf much at all, ever? A little bit? So you know what a mulligan is, right? Do, do you ever call mulligans? Do you? Uh, don't, don't, you don't have to admit it. It's okay. Yeah, a new year is a lot like a mulligan in golf. Uh, a mulligan in golf is what amateurs use to get a do-over. It's what Irish guys like me use to do get a do-over. But you only get to use one around. That's all you get. So you better choose your mulligan wisely. Um, but a new year is not really a do-over. A new year is a fresh start in a way. And we ought to start thinking of every day as a fresh start, as a new start, to see what God is going to do. What, what part of my story is God going to fulfill? What part of my story is God going to reveal to me? What is God going to do in my life today? I want to walk with him. I want to see him do things. I do. That's my desire, is to see God do things in the church that he didn't do in 2019. Like a lot more baptisms. Like more people coming into the church. I've seen God do that. Do you know how many guests we had last year? We had almost 60 people come and visit the church. Now, some of them, a, per, a percentage of them, were people traveling through. They were visiting family here, or they were traveling through, going somewhere else, and they were here on a Sunday, so they came and worshiped with us. But we had almost 60 people come through this last year. I'd like to see that happen again, but I'd like to see a lot of those folks stay with us. 
and grow roots here with us. So it's not really a do-over. It's not a mulligan. It's more of the fresh start. That's why I always see a new year. We left the old year behind and we've begun the new one. 2019 might have been a good year for you. I don't know. It wasn't a bad year for me. Maybe it was a really good year for you. I don't know. Um, and maybe you're beginning to wonder, what is 2020 going to be like? That could be exciting, right? New starts, fresh things uh, can be very exciting uh, because you don't know what's going to happen and you anticipate something and you're hoping and praying for that. But it can also be a, a time of anxiety. You don't know the, the, the future. The future to us is unknown. And uh, the unknown things are what causes anxiety. We don't know how God is going to answer all these needs and meet these needs and answer our prayers. We don't know that. I hope you realize today that if you're feeling a bit of anxiety about the new year, if you're starting something new, like maybe retirement, or maybe you've been retired and you're going to find try to find a job or something, or you just want to start something new, and you don't know, and you're a little bit anxious about that, I want you to. I hope you realize that. I want you to know this. That before you leave today, I want you to realize God's on your side. He's on your side, especially if you belong to Him. If you belong to Him, God is with you in a very special, unique way. But He is on your side. As Christians, we talk about having a relationship with God like we do with our family and friends, don't we? We have this walk with God. We have, we have this daily relationship with God, right? We do. But we can't physically see God. Not, not personally. We can't reach out and touch Him. We can't look Him in the eye and have a discussion with Him. God is spirit. He, he's not flesh and blood like we are. But we're supposed to rely upon God in ways that we don't rely upon anyone else, including ourselves. We're supposed to rely upon God in a way that, that is, uh, to some people, uh, kind of strange. Because we what? We live by faith. That's why we pray. Did you know prayer is an act of faith? If you don't have prayer in your life, I don't know where your faith is. And I don't mean prayer in the emergency times. I'm talking about prayer in a daily time where you speak to God about your life. You thank Him for whatever's good that's going on and, and you're asking to help you through the bad. Prayer is an act of faith. And so we ought to be living by faith. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. He said, we live by faith, not by sight. And I hope this is a year you really grab that idea in your mind and heart. That you live by faith in God, not by sight. That's what we're called to. Faith is not always easy. I get that. It's not always easy for me either. Living by faith can be very challenging. Because you can't save your kids or your grandkids or whoever in your family that you're praying for. Right? You can't manage your health. Really, I mean, to a certain degree you do. We all take medications when we don't feel well. Or, or we take medications to stay healthy. But we really don't control our health. Not really. But God can. Now we can live healthy and do good things, but God is the one who does these things. We can't see the future the way God does. We can't see God the way God sees us. And that's a struggle. That's a bit of a conundrum, is what they say. So when we go through something difficult, we can be tempted to wonder, what is God doing? Did anybody think about that last year? What are you doing, God? Things aren't going like I wanted. They, they aren't going the way I planned. They're not close. I seem to be missing the mark. What's going on? Let's look at this uh, parable that Jesus used to teach his disciples. 
about faith. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 5, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus said, though he will not get up and give him the bread, because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will not give, give up. I'm going to say he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I ask you, so I say to you, ask will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Let's pray for a moment together, all right? Father, this morning, in a very special way, we're asking you at the beginning of a new year to bless us, to bless us more with your presence, your power, your spirit, your son in our lives this year. And we pray for the church, we pray for Cornerstone Southern Baptist Church, that it will experience you as well in a powerful way, that people will get saved, that we'll see family members getting saved, that we'll see people coming in from the community and getting saved. We'll see you working in people's lives, in our lives, to keep us healthy and well, to keep us going in life. And God, we pray that you would um, guide and direct us so that you'll always be the answer we need. That you'll help us, Lord, in life with whatever's going on, and that we'll give you the glory for that on a regular basis. That we'll seek you, Father, every day. I pray for that. pray to God today that as I speak from your word to your people, I pray that you would speak through me, that your spirit would come and, and comfort every person that's here today, guide and direct each one. And then guide and direct my mind and my thoughts and my heart too as well. That uh, whatever I say today would be honoring to you and be pointing people to you. Lord, this is what you're the one that's important here, Father. You're the one that uh, matters. And we just want to worship and praise you. And thank you for your goodness, your glory. Thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you for being who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your outline with you on the back, sometimes when we go through something difficult, we're going to be tempted to wonder, what is God doing? Sometimes we're going to be tempted to wonder, is God unkind? Sometimes God seems to be unkind, doesn't he? Doesn't he, right? When he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want, or maybe he doesn't answer our prayers at all. He seems to be unkind. And Jesus told his first followers in this parable, uh, not he used this parable not to illustrate God's unkindness, but to show how much God values our faith in him. The whole idea behind this parable that we're looking at this morning is to show that God is searching for our faithfulness and he values our faith in him. That's what he's looking at when he looks to us. Let's look at this parable again, verse 5 and 6. Then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Jesus said a man had a friend who came to him in the middle of the night with a need. This man came to his friend's house with a need. The friend who had a need had some people come by his house, and he took them in. And he wasn't prepared to take care of them as he should have been. He didn't have food for them to eat after their journey. And they're spending the night, so he goes to his friend to get them something to eat. In the Jewish culture of that time, to be a good host was paramount. You were meant to take in other people. 
Jewish people would take in other Jewish people. Now, they wouldn't take in Samaritans because they didn't like Samaritans. They didn't get along with each other. And they didn't take in Romans because Romans were oppressors. But they were supposed to take in each other whether they knew each other or not. And so this man has these people come by. They spend the night with him. He has nothing to give them for dinner. So he goes to his friend because he wants to be a good host. He went to the only person he thought could help him or would help him, a friend. Isn't that true? Don't we go to friends for help before we ever go to strangers? Isn't that true? I mean, for just average things. This is not going to the bank and getting a loan to buy bread. He's going to his friend asking for some food to take to, his, to these people who are in his house. Don't we do that? Can't, can't you help me with this? Can't you help me with that? Can you help me with my children? Whatever. We ask our friends and family for help. So this guy goes to the only person he knows who can help him. Maybe he lives next door. Maybe he lives down the street. I don't know. That's not the important part. He went to somebody he thought would help him. And it's in the middle of the night. And look what his friend says. Verse 7. Don't bother me. That's quite a friend, right? How many of you got a friend that says, don't bother me? If you have a... Oh, there's that finger pointing. If you have a friend who says, don't bother me, guess what? They're probably not your friend. Right? He says, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. The man in bed symbolizes God. God here seems kind of unkind, doesn't he? Hey, I'm in bed. The door's locked. My kids are sleeping. I can't get up. I can't help you. I'm not going to help you. Sometimes we go to God and he doesn't respond to our need right away. And we think God should, shouldn't we? We think God should respond right now. And so and when he doesn't, we begin to think God is unkind. It's in our mind. We might not say it. We might not admit it to anybody else. But we think, man, God, you're being very unkind to me. This is a very human reaction. I see it all the time in people. I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray and I, God never does anything to help me. It's a very human reaction. Because isn't God on our side? Isn't that in our mind too? Isn't God on, on my side? Aren't you on my side? Or aren't you answering my prayer? I belong to you. You should answer my prayer right now. But then suddenly, Jesus changed direction in the parable. Look at verse 8. He says in verse 8, I tell you though, Jesus is speaking here, he says, I tell you, he steps out of the parable and now he's teaching. He says, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give, the, give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. There's a change here in the view of the parable. The guy gets up out of bed not because he's their friend, but because of the other man's boldness in asking him for help. There will be times in life when God seems to be very unkind. Things happen. We lose a job. We lose a loved one. Life changes. And we won't understand why is God not answering my prayers? Why isn't He meeting this need of mine? He's the only one who can. I've gone to Him. And it's only human to doubt and wonder and question God's kindness at times like that. That's why Jesus didn't stop here. He didn't stop at the man's refusal to give his friend some help. Jesus wanted to teach us something else, and the lesson is in verse 9 and 10. Look at verse 9 and 10. 
And Jesus is still teaching, and he says, Now, so I say to you, ask will be given to you, seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. He says, Ask, seek, knock. You know, that's the same thing three times, isn't it? Pursue, pursue, pursue. Pray, pray, pray. Not just three times. Don't get, don't get numerical on this either. It's not about three times. It's about repeating, 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 repeating. He doesn't stop at the refusal. He doesn't stop at God's unkindness. Remember, what is God looking for when He looks at us? He's looking for our faithfulness. He's looking for us to be faithful. So where, so where an earthly friend might let us down, God won't. Now, we might not like waiting, because the need might really be really big in our eyes. Because that's all we can see. But he won't let us down. But he does reserve the right to answer our prayers in his time. That's why we sing that song, in his time. To remind us that God's in charge and we're not. But we have to remember that. Now we know that we're not in charge. God is sovereign. God is in control. He sets the time, the days. Weeks, hours, minutes, all these different moments of time, all these different measurements, years. He gives us time. He's in charge. We need to understand that. God is always kind to those who belong to Him in His time. That is the hard part, though, isn't it? That's the rub of it all. That's where we have to have faith. In Titus 3, verse 4 and 5, Paul says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. That is the greatest kindness of all. If all God should ever do for you is save you, that is more than enough. It's way more than any of us deserve. That's why we should be praying for those in our families and friends that we love. We don't know Him. He saved us not because of righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. Because of God's kindness. And then Jesus' brother James, he has something that he can add to this very same teaching. Listen to James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, can anybody look at me in a straight face and say today, I know what's going to happen in July of 2020. I know exactly what's going to happen. No, we don't know. We need wisdom to be prepared for whatever happens, not just today and tomorrow, but in July. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. I like that part. He'll give generously to all without finding fault if we seek Him. And it'll be given to Him, but when He asks, He must believe and not doubt. We can't doubt God. Doubt and faith don't work together. And I have to, I have to learn this lesson again and again and again myself. Doubt and faith don't work together. So when He asks, He must believe and not doubt. So when we pray, we have to believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. See, doubt causes us to become unstable in our faith. It causes us to to blow here and to blow there. Doubt takes our need and magnifies it too. Did you know that? It's like a magnifying glass, telescope. And it's really easy to get focused on the need we have right in front of us. Especially the more dire the need is. When the truth is, we should be focusing on the one who can meet our need. That's who we've got to learn to focus on. And when we focus on him, we'll discover that God is far more kind than we ever really thought or knew.
a tough, it, tough thing to hear, isn't it? It's not easy to hear these things. But the, but the good thing is God is still on our side. And we'll get an answer to our needs at some point. Sometime this year, you might be tempted to think God is unkind. Second of all, number two, you might be tempted to think that God is cold. Because sometimes God seems cold. You know what I mean by cold? Unfeeling, uncaring, ignoring. God does that. He seems to be cold at times. Look at verse 11 and 12. And Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Same parable. We're just going further in it. He goes further in it and he uses the example of a loving father. Now we know that a loving father would never give their child a snake in the place of a fish to eat. If you're hungry, if your child's hungry, you don't give them a snake. You don't give them something nasty. You give them something good to eat, right? You don't give them a scorpion instead of an egg. You give them something good. That's what loving fathers, loving parents do. That's giving something really bad and something in the place of something really good. And we aren't that cold to our children, are we? Well, it depends on the circumstance, doesn't it? Sometimes we can be pretty cold to our kids when they're being kind of a pain or doing things that we don't want them to do. Sounds like us with God, too. Sometimes we think God does that to us, though, right? That He's cold to us, that He's ignoring us, that He gives us something bad. Sometimes when something bad happens to a person, who has a relationship with God, they begin to think, why did God allow this to happen to me? Why did God allow this? And so we think God is cold. We think God is ignoring us or He's being harsh. I used to think this way before I became a believer. Before I began my relationship with God, I thought this way. I can still remember back to eighth grade. At Christmas, we took break. All Everybody else in my class went off to have a good time with family. Some of them went on trips. Some of them just... Stayed home and had great holidays with their family. You know what I did in eighth grade Christmas? I went to St. John's Hospital in Salina, and my mother had emergency surgery. We spent Christmas in a waiting room as my mother had surgery and recovered. That's where I spent the only time I got to see my mother that year. And I thought, man, I just added that on a bunch of other stuff that I was collecting against God. And said, God, you're just cold. You're, you're not kind. You're not at all what people say you are. I thought that way. One of the Psalms that David, a man after God's own heart, David wrote, implies he felt this way about God once. That God seemed very cold when David needed him the most and he let him down. Psalm 22, verse 2. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. David said that. That he cried out by day and God would not answer him. It seemed like God was cold to him. But Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute, calm down, don't get upset yet, slow down. Look at verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus turns it around and says, look, what you need is not more things of this world and this life. You don't need more things in your in your." house or in your garage or your shed you don't need more things of this world what you need is more of god that's what you need that's what you need more than anything else you need more of god and the way we have god in our lives today is through the presence 
of the Holy Spirit. And that's a mystery in itself, but it's part of God operating in our life, sending us the Holy Spirit. That's why as Christians, Orthodox Christians, we believe in Father, Son, Spirit. That God is one, but three. Because each one has a different function. And all operate as God. Not three gods, one God in three persons. In John 14, verse 26, Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. That's an important point. Everything I've said to you, that's an important point to read your Bibles this year. Because the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things Jesus said in the Scriptures. He'll bring it up. Very important thing. So this year, if you begin to doubt, if you begin to doubt, you might not. You might be a, a pillar of faith. You might be granite in your faith, in your relationship with God. Nothing can cause you to doubt. Nothing can cause you to question God. But if you should begin to doubt God's love and kindness, just remember what David said to God. Psalms 31, verse 19. How great is your goodness, which you've stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. David said, you know, God, you are great. And you give your, you give your rewards of faith to those who are fully dependent upon you, and they, you do it publicly. God will answer your prayers. And other people will see that happen. They'll wonder, what's going on? And they'll ask you, how did that happen? How did that sick person get well? How did you get through the loss of a loved one so well? How did your children come to be such a different people? And they'll ask you. And why, why do you have that smile on your face and things aren't going so great for you? I know they're not. You've told me. And yet you can smile because they'll see God bestowing things on you as you lean on Him. And number three, this year you might go through something that will lead you to misunderstand God. Go with me to Luke 18. And let's look at another parable that Jesus taught. Luke 18, when you get there, find verse 1. Luke 18, verse 1, Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. Now, if we just were to stop right there, man, that'd be a very disappointing story, wouldn't it? For some time he refused. Now Jesus used a widow in a court case as a parable to teach us all something about faith. The widow went before a judge time and time again seeking justice against someone who kept attacking her over and over. And every time she went to this judge, the judge ignored her. But he never explained himself. He simply would not give her justice. He simply refused her plea. What's well, that's hard to understand, isn't it? We live in a culture that's supposed to be about justice. And yet we see injustice all the time. We see things happen and we don't understand why is God not doing something. Sometime this year, you personally might be unfairly attacked. You might it might not even be a anything big. It might be a slight, like an insult. 
it might be an attack by Satan himself. And you're going to want God to respond in a very swift manner, quickly, to this attack. And let me just say, he might not do that. Not right away. And you're going to ask yourself, or you might ask yourself, why? You might even ask, say to God, I don't understand what you're doing. I thought, I thought, God, you were on my side. Let me say this to you, friends. I got, I've learned this a long time now. And I'm not as old as some of you, but I've learned this a long time ago. Don't have any illusions about understanding God completely. Don't, don't delude yourself to think that God can be fit into a little box and we can explain everything about God to everybody. Because we can't. All we can do in circumstances when we don't understand what God is doing, we don't understand why God is not doing things, when we don't understand God, is we lay our petitions before Him. And that's it. And we lay our petitions for, before Him until we see Him respond. In one way or another. And He will do that. He will respond. But we have to keep laying our petition before Him. Just like that widow going back to the judge. Even though the judge doesn't explain himself, she keeps going back, going back, going back. That's faithfulness in her cause. See, she had faith that she was being wrong, that she was going to be right, that she was going to get justice. And so she goes to the judge. The only one who can do anything about justice is the judge. And that's the way God is. We have to keep laying our petition before Him until we see him respond in some way. The writer of the book Ecclesiastes, if you've, never, if you've never read this book, you need to go read it. Because it really is a really good book about God and life and how we're supposed to interact with God. And it's not a very positive book in many ways, but in many ways it's very, very encouraging. Because it reminds us, again, we're human and God's not. And we have to take some things by faith. And that's not always easy. The writer of the book of Ecclesiastes struggled in his relationship with God. He didn't understand God. And he was willing to admit it, at least not fully anyway. Listen to Ecclesiastes 3.11. The writer reminds us we won't be able to fully understand God and His ways in this world. He said, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Isn't it true God has made everything beautiful in His time? The sunset, the sunrise, shining through clouds, looking all that pink or that beautiful colors that, that, that show up, the mountains, the ocean, newborn babies, joy. He makes these things beautiful. It's man who discolors life. It's man who who marks up life and, and destroys it. God makes everything beautiful. And He sets eternity in our hearts. Why does He do that? Because He wants us to want Him. Because He is eternal. So He sets eternity, this desire to live forever. Did you know that from the very beginning, man has sought to live forever? That pursuit for the fountain of youth, right? And that desire for immortality? That's eternity. God set that in our hearts because He wants us to seek Him. And yet, man cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Even the greatest scientists at KU cannot figure out God. I don't care what... Go to any university of renown, of knowledge. Go to anybody. Stephen Hawkins, a genius, 
was an atheist, died an atheist, could not understand God. And he was a genius. We're not always going to, we're not going to understand everything about God. And we're not always going to understand what God is doing in the moment. That's why we have to live by faith. Look at verse 4 through 8 with me. But finally, the judge said to himself, even though I don't fear God and care about men, yet because of this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Wow. Jesus said God is the great judge. And that God will see that his people will have justice in time. Maybe not the time we want, but in time. His judgment will come. That, of that there can be no doubt. You see, what God values more than anything else is our faith in him. That's why the widow is pictured going back to the judge again and again. Even though he doesn't give her justice, even though he doesn't explain himself, even though he hardly says anything to her, she keeps going back again and again. So you see, what God values more than anything from us is our faith. He wants our faith. Verse 8, at the end, however, Jesus, this is a great question of the Bible. However, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find faith on earth? When Jesus comes back, will he find faith on earth? We have to wonder about that, don't we? We look around and we see lots of open seats in our sanctuary this morning. We look around at our culture in America today and we see a lot of godlessness, a lot of sin, unrighteousness. We see it all. And so this question is very pertinent for today. When the Son of Man comes, when the Son of God comes, will he find faith on earth? When Jesus overcame death at the resurrection and he came up out of the grave and went back into heaven later, the work of salvation was done. All that had to happen was people accepting the message of Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is now. We accept Christ for who he is, what he's done, and we hope in his return. That work was all done, but Jesus wasn't done with this world yet. He's still not done. Someday he's going to come back, he's going to complete the job and finish it out. And when he does, he wants to find us living by faith, not by sight. He wants his people to be actively living their faith. That's our test today. That's our test in 2020. Are we going to be living by faith? That's our challenge, by the way. Are we going to live at our faith? In 2020, we're going to have lots of opportunities to exercise faith, to trust in God, to trust in Jesus. Now, we don't have to understand everything to have faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Amen. You don't have to understand everything to have faith in Jesus Christ. To have a living relationship with God takes faith, not complete understanding. We just need to accept the fact that Jesus is all that we need to know God and that God will take care of the rest. And he includes us in all of that. In Matthew 11, 29, 30, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus. For I am gentle and humble heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So take the heavy burden of your life off, give it to God, and take the burden of faith on and trust in Jesus. Our invitation song today is Open My Eyes That I May See. I think we need this to happen more and more, don't we? 
We need God to open our eyes and our ears so that we can see Him working in our life. We need to, our ears to be open so we can hear His voice speaking in the darkness when we're struggling to understand, when we're thinking that maybe He's cold or unkind. Let's sing this song with our hearts today, all right? Let's stand and pray as we get ready to sing. Father, thank you that in the